On this week's Divisional Playoff Adam Schefter Podcast, we are going to be joined by the former Titans Pro Bowl linebacker Brian Arakpo, who announced he's retiring from the NFL December 31st. And then we'll be joined by the NFL ESPN researcher Evan Kaplan, who breaks down the upcoming divisional matchups in a way that very few could. And we'll take your questions, Ask Adam questions, for another week as we ponder how long Nick Foles' magic carpet ride can continue and what the Eagles do about Carson Wentz. But first, former Titans linebacker Brian Arakbo. All right, Brian, I really appreciate taking some time to join us. Wanted to get your thoughts on what you saw from the NFL wild card round this past weekend, if you even watched now that you've retired from the game. I was I was in L.A. Um, we do an annual trip with the linebackers. After whatever game we're done, yeah. we go out there and have a good time. I was in the only game I was able to watch was the Philly-Chicago game when, in the fourth quarter when the kicker missed the uh, the, the go-ahead uh, game-winning drive. So that's the only game I was able to experience. But everything else was just highlights. And that's how everybody's going to remember that game, is the game in which the kicker missed the kick. Yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, you know, oh, man, that's that's tough. You know, you, you, you obviously expect the kicker like, uh, from that distance to go in. and uh, You know, it's unfortunate. But that's that's the game of football. You know, you can't. You just gotta always be prepared. He had a he just he missed a kick. I'm pretty sure routine that he will be able to make that, but nothing's guaranteed in the National Football League. That's why it's so tough to to win a ball game. Brian, if you're on that team and your teammate is the kicker who misses that kick, do you say anything to him? Do you ignore? How do you handle that as a player yeah, on that you team? Gotta, you gotta you gotta be a great teammate, regardless. You gotta console him. You gotta make sure that uh, you know you had a hell of a season. Uh, you got to pick his head up, you know, because everybody's going to be beating you down, especially in the day and age we live in with, with social media. It's, they're, he's going to get crucified out there. So you have to make sure as a teammate, as a brother, that uh, you have to make sure you have his back, pick him up. Because uh, the man has a family. The man, uh, he works extremely hard as well in his craft. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, or he wouldn't be in the league. But, uh, you gotta, like I said, you have to be a great teammate. Now, you were gone for the week and with your fellow linebackers. So you didn't see the Colts beat the Texans. But Oh, we did. Actually, I'll take that back, Adam. I, I, I'm not lie. Actually, <laughs> we did. We sat down at a, at, a, at a restaurant area and actually watched that game. I, I, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, we did. Well, you, you know the Colts quite well from having faced them twice this season. They win the wild card spot against your team in the final week of the regular season. What was your assessment of what they did against Houston? And do you think that they could go into Kansas City and upend the AFC's number one seed? They got a chance. One thing about the Colts, and, and with Andrew Luck being back to, to a high plane at a high level, and his caliber of play, you got a chance. One thing about the Colts, there's nothing sexy about that team. They're, they're, they're just a bunch of guys that just work extremely well with one another. Uh, the offensive line is clicking, defense is clicking. Everything just works well. Andrew Luck does a phenomenal job of leading that team and, and getting in the huddle, heading out the huddle. And, and, and T.Y. is just a nightmare for a matchup. So they got a chance, definitely. Kansas City's rolling their number one seed for a reason, but I would not sleep on the Colts because obviously the Texans slept on the Colts. And 
even though they know that team and um you know you've seen the outcome Brian, you've had an unbelievable career. You've gone against some incredible quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Cam Newton, Drew Brees, Michael Vick, on and on and on we go. Is Andrew Luck worthy of being mentioned in the same category as those guys, and how would you assess where he is in the greatness of some of these other quarterbacks? I mean, he still has some time to go. He's still got some playoff wins to 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 put under his belt, but um, he's on his way. Um, I'm, I'm so happy he's back healthy. Um, because it's, it's good for football, you know, when you have all your elite players playing at a high level. And uh, Andrew, he, Andrew, he's on his way. Um, I mean, it, that guy's hard to beat. I mean, we faced him twice this year, and it wasn't pretty. Um, this guy's just efficient. This guy is smart. He, he doesn't get sacked. Um, I mean, the guy has it all. And uh, I'm, I'm extremely um, proud proud of him and the way he's able to come back from such a devastating injury and uh, play at a high level. And he is somebody that your former teammates in Tennessee will have to worry about for years to come because on December 31st, you announced your decision to walk away from the game of football. How did you come to the decision to retire at age 32 after 10 NFL seasons, Brian? Uh, It just comes to a point where, you know, enough is enough. your body starts talking to you as you get older. Um, I, I definitely, I definitely can still play if I wanted to. I can definitely, you know, still play at a high level. But at some point, after a decade of football, enough's enough. And um, you know, I, I, I'm very satisfied with what I've done so far in, the, in my career. And you know, my kids are getting older. I want to make sure I'm there. I'm, I'm there for every single event that I was missing throughout my ten years. Um, and, yeah, it was a tough decision, but it was a decision that um, I'm proud of because, like I said, I, I've done as, as much as I could, and, you know, it was time. I, once I said I wanted to leave the game, I always wanted to leave on my terms. I never wanted to limp away from the game. I wanted to leave healthy um, with my head held high, and uh, I believe I did so. What body parts were talking, and what were they saying? <laughs> nah, it, it wasn't. It, it wasn't as significant as I'm making it seem. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody knows I've done with a bunch of issues pectoral wise. You know, I had a, a tricep injury that I was trying to play through, and you know, it's, like I said, when you play this game, it's a hundred percent injury prone game, and you're gonna get hurt. Your body's gonna take a pounding. And I played a decade of football. I believe that's enough. I believe that's. You know, I've already exceeded the expectations when it comes to that. And, you know, I'm fine. You know, I think the, my number one ob- objective, um, what's I'm, what I'm most proud of is the way I was able to be a part of the culture change in the Tennessee Titans and we were able to get this team back some respect and, and playoff caliber team. And I was a big part of that. Uh, we were a big part of that. And uh, that's the most thing I take in my career. So what is next for Brian Arakbo? Is it more of these cupcake commercials that you've been filming? Because I'll bet you get more recognition now for the cupcake commercials than any sack you've made during the course of your career. Hey, you know what's crazy? You're not lying about that. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere I go now, that's Brian from the cupcake commercials, especially kids, you know, especially little kids that come up throughout the airports and stuff. But, um, <laughs> no, it's the cupcake. That was it's so crazy. That thing took a life of its own. Um, it was a small investment myself and Michael Griffin, former Titan as well, and Longhorn we made. And 
people love our story with being, you know, they, you normally don't see the dynamics between a football player and cupcakes and baking <laughs> and decorating. So they're definitely unique, and it just took a life of its own, and people love it. So we're we're just happy to be a part of it, and we'll see what happens in the future. Definitely plan on expanding for sure. Have the commercials been good for business, the cupcake business, Gigi's Cupcakes down in Nashville, Tennessee? Yes, yes. We definitely have been good for uh, business out there. I've uh, definitely been good for our store. As far as the other locations nationwide, I'm not pretty sure. But our location, I'm pretty sure the national location has been doing great. As commercial has really put us over the top as far as sales and, and bringing, bringing people uh, aware of, uh, of the GG's Cupcake brand. When did you know that those commercials had changed your life some, Brian? Um, well, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say changed my life, but it's just, it's like, it just, I don't know. It just took a life of its own. I mean, people are so, the people love cupcakes. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. Kids of all ages. Um, and then you see a big, massive football player, especially the beginning of the commercial. You see the football player, um, getting ready for battle. And then all of a sudden he turns into a, a decorated slash baker. I mean, it's pretty funny. And, um, it just, you know, like I said, took a life of its own. A, a selfish dad question as the father of a 10-year-old daughter. Does Gigi's Cupcake ship? Yes, they do ship nationwide, absolutely. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You'll be getting <laughs> an order for me for my little girl later on today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order some cupcakes for there for my little girl. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Any flavor. Got it. <laughs> what, what, what flavor would you recommend? Um, it depends if you're chocolate vanilla, but I'm a, I'm a red velvet type of guy. And we also have this one called Confetti Fun that's uh, a mixture of sprinkles and, and, and uh, vanilla. Uh, we have all types of different flavors, but I'm a red velvet guy. Do you do any of the baking yourself? You know, throughout the training in the off, this past off season, yeah, absolutely. We had a, a pretty much a month of extensive training where we had to bake, decorate, work the front, wow. you know, deal with customers. Everything. So, yeah, definitely was in the in the back baking um, at the beginning stages of our, our investment. Honest now, more satisfying to get a big sack on third down or to bake a perfect batch of cupcakes? <laughs> no, you know, I can't, I'm, sacking is what I'm most known for. I love sacking quarterbacks. I love turning the corner if the quarterback still has the ball in his hand. Your eyes get big. There's nothing better than getting a sack in the NFL. So, definitely uh, sacking the quarterback for sure. Brian, what has been the most surprising part of owning your own business? The most surprising is probably the, uh, I'm to say the employees, the turnover. You know, when you're dealing with kids and people coming either fresh out of college or people still in high school, the turnover rate is something that we had to get used to. Um, so that was the most surprising thing, um, just dealing with, employees at a constant rate but i think we got a groove now we kind of got our business on autopilot right now so you know that was a big learning curve learning curve though now you bring up your kids and the things you've missed in your business but how do you envision spending the majority of your time now that you're finished with football definitely taking a year vacation relax let my body heal Um, i think my body hasn't healed in a long time because you know, every time you start a fresh season, we always say we're 100%, but we're not. It's almost like you're just putting a Band-Aid on, on your rules and you're getting ready for round two. Um, so definitely going to take the years, like I said, to just relax, re- uh, recover, rehab, and vacation with the family. 
Where were we, vac- uh, where were we vacationing to? Where were we vacationing to, Brian? I'm all over the place. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I get a stamp all over the place. I haven't got anything concrete right now, but definitely going to get a stamp all over the place. Hmm. Uh, on a separate note, do you think Texas is back? Texas football is back after beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, who wouldn't think Texas is back? Texas is, is all the way back. I mean, you beat a team that was almost com- would have competed for a championship this year, and you beat them pretty handily. Uh, that says a lot. I mean, for Texas to come back, and I believe they finished—I want to say ten and three, ten and four, something like that. So, getting back to double-digit wins. Um, Sam Ellinger and company was able to. To lead, to lead the pack, uh, I think Herman, Tom Herman, did a tremendous job, and I've seen the all the work they've done this past offseason to to get to this point. So I knew this was coming in a matter of time. What is your favorite memory? Your biggest takeaway of the famous Texas national championship win over USC that you played in? Oh man, uh, favorite moment. Is there one moment from that legendary Rose Bowl that just stands out? Yeah, just I, I believe it's. I want to say I love Ty was insane in that game. I mean, I'm playing in the game, and I'm a fan. I was watching like a fan when he was out there, so uh, it was crazy. But the one big moment I believe was that big stop we had on. I want to say fourth and two, uh, and Lindell was able to trying to get the two yards in the middle of the hole, and our defense was able to just corral and stop them for a big game and get the ball back to our offense. So I uh, was most proud of that moment because that was just life-changing for us. Hmm. Before I let you go, I want to have some rapid-fire questions for you. Having played as long as you did in the NFL, having had as much success as you did in the NFL, who was the best quarterback that you ever went against? Best quarterback had to be Tom Brady. How come? Uh, guys, this efficient guys hard to beat. Um, I mean, honestly, out of ten years, this was this this past season was my first time beating Brady. Um, uh, I mean, it's crazy, and I played Brady numerous times, and we never came close. So, to finally was able to get one under get one under my belt. But Tom Brady is just efficient. He knows that offense. He knows just how to win, um, and his team is very disciplined. And you know, he's a big part of it. Toughest offensive lineman you've ever gone against? Oh, man. It's a hard one because uh, I played against some really good ones. But um, if I had to choose, it would have to be either uh, Jason Peters hmm. in Philly and then uh, my former teammate, Trent Williams. Um, hmm. uh, those two those two were hell. Um, those two were hell, especially playing against Trent throughout my Washington days and in practice and and just seeing the evolve, the, the way he evolved, I think those that was uh, huge. So those two guys are definitely the best. Uh, LaJuan, my guy, he's on his way. I love the way LaJuan plays. Mm. He's already great, but he's on his way to, to to take the throne real soon. The most impressive teammate you ever had? The guy whose abilities just blew you away? Oh, that's that's very easy. Um, back in my Washington days, I love. I had some great teammates, but back in my Washington days, uh, this guy's just Put a big. Um, he was a big role model for me, London Fletcher. Um, the guy was um, inside backer. You know, not didn't have the, the size like everybody else had with the Ray Lewis's and the Brian Erlachers, but the guy was five nine, five ten, and just his ability to go out there and be as dominant as he was 
with with the smaller body as he had. It was, it was just amazing to watch. Just a constant professional. I just hmm. I learned a lot from Ronda Fletcher. A great leader, a great professional. You're exactly right. And after 10 NFL seasons, your favorite NFL memory? Oh, man. Favorite NFL memory. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's probably quite a recent one. Um, the, our, our playoff game against the Chiefs. That's, that was big for us. That was big for the turnaround of the Tennessee Titans. We was able to squeeze into the, the playoffs at a six seed. We went into Kansas City, highly favored team, and Kansas City out the gate twenty-one zero, um, and we couldn't recover up until halftime. And then came out the halftime. We made some adjustments, and I mean the. The turnaround, the momentum was heavily in our favor, and we was able to pull that one out with the field goal. And uh, it was just amazing to be a part of. That was your only career playoff appearance, and you had a sack and a half in that game. Yeah, yeah, my only career playoff experience, um, and was able to you know beat a beat a highly favored opponent in the, in the Chiefs. And you know, I'm definitely going to remember that for the rest of my life, even though I didn't have a lot of playoffs experience throughout my career. Having won a playoff game in Kansas City, can you imagine what that stadium would be like if they were unable to beat the Colts this weekend? Uh, yeah, they would <laughs> They would definitely turn heads over there. Uh, it's, it's, Arrowhead's a tough place to play, but, you know, I don't know. The Colts, you cannot sleep on the Colts, so we'll see what happens. Hey, Brian, congratulations on a tremendous NFL career. Good luck with Gigi's Cupcakes, the family, and all your other post football plans and thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today all right no problem thanks for having me cap hit and time to bring in our esteemed espn colleague evan kaplan for another cap hit segment here evan great to be here adam divisional weekend divisional weekend is here we just wrapped up wild card weekend and there's a lot to look forward to this upcoming weekend and i guess we start in the first matchup of the weekend Mm mm-hmm should be plenty of touchdowns in that AFC matchup, no? Yeah, you look at Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck, who were 1-2 in touchdown passes during the regular season. Uh, Mahomes with 50, Luck with 39. Those 89 combined touchdowns from Elias will be the most in any postseason matchup by starting quarterbacks in wow. NFL history. Wow. So this will be a historic matchup from touchdowns in the regular season. Uh, we saw Andrew Luck play well in Houston, lead the Colts to a win on the wild card round, so we we could see plenty of offense in Kansas City. And it's not just that matchup. No, it's not. And you look at the other AFC matchup, which will be Sunday afternoon, uh, Chargers-Patriots. So we talked about the touchdowns within one season in Colts-Chiefs, but you look at the career for Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers, they have combined for 891 touchdown passes in the regular season. That will be the second most ever in a playoff matchup behind... Tom Brady, and of Peyton course Manning. Peyton Manning uh, before the 2015 AFC Championship, which ended up being Peyton's last postseason. Well, this is going to be interesting because I think we saw one thing wildcard weekend. It was not kind to young, inexperienced no. playoff quarterbacks. Go through and look at it. Deshaun yep. Watson playing in his first NFL playoff game. Didn't mm-hmm. play overly great. Lamar right. Jackson, first NFL playoff game. Did not play great. Mitchell Trubisky, first NFL playoff game. Uneven right. at best. Right. And now Patrick Mahomes... Gets his first ever NFL player. And I know he's above everything. And right. he is yep. the most transcendent talent in the game today. Mm-hmm. But you just wonder, and you wonder about Patrick Mahomes making his first NFL postseason start at a time 
where the Chiefs have not fared well in Kansas City in no, the postseason. No, not at all. I mean, you look at them in home playoff games, and they have lost six straight home playoff games at Arrowhead Stadium. The last time they won at home in the playoffs, nearly 25 years ago, the 1993 wildcard round, Joe Montana was their starting quarterback. Andrew Luck was four years old. Patrick Mahomes wasn't even born yet. The last time the Chiefs won a home playoff game, it's been a while. And you look at Andrew Luck, who has gone into Denver and won in his postseason career. We just saw him go into Houston and went on the road. Now, he before this year, he hadn't been in the postseason since 2014, but... Like you said, this this is a very six one matchup, but doesn't doesn't feel like a six one matchup in terms of seeds, does it? It feels a lot closer than that to me. So Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill were not even born the we're last time the Chiefs the last were in a home playoff game. Exactly. And I've been in a number of those games, and let me tell you this. Mm-hmm. Playoff losses like that, they scar a city. Right. They scar a city. You don't ever forget those losses. No. I remember being in the tunnel. At Arrowhead, watching the Chiefs players walk off the field when they just lost to Jim Harbaugh and the Indianapolis Colts playing wow. quarterback. And the players were, it was like a funeral. Right. Disbelief. Yep. Anger. Disappointment. And I think there's a lot of pressure on the Chiefs. And yes, Patrick Mahomes is different. Yeah. But man, if it goes to 0-7 and that streak continues, I cannot even imagine what Kansas City would be like. And Andrew Luck is the quarterback you want in that right. matchup, too, by the way. Another thing against the Chiefs, never beating the Colts in the playoffs. 0-4 all time. So th- there's there's some unfortunate history on the side of Kansas City. Like you said, we, we know what kind of season Mahomes and that team have, but th- there is some serious pressure on them on Saturday afternoon. I feel that pressure right yeah, now. Yeah, you do. I, just talking about it, I feel it. <laughs> all right, um, Dak is back where he saw his first NFL action facing a fellow 2016 quarterback. What do we make of this matchup? Kind of interesting. So this will be uh, the first time that Dak Prescott is at the Los Angeles Coliseum since the first time we saw him in any NFL capacity. That was in the 2016 preseason. He started that game, played pretty well. We obviously know two weeks later was when Tony Romo got hurt. Dak was thrust into the starting role. Interesting parallel there. And then you talk about the 2016 draft. Jared Goff, number one overall pick. Dak was pick 135th that year first matchup between starting QBs in the playoffs from the same draft since back in 2012 so an interesting kind of another an offense defense kind of uh mix here but we we saw in the wild card round Dak made the the plays especially with his legs that he needed to to get the Cowboys that win an interesting interesting game here in terms of can the Cowboys defense slow down that Rams offense? Well, and I think the way to do that maybe is with the Cowboys offense running the football exactly. because the Rams defense has been vulnerable against the run. Absolutely. That's the one thing the Cowboys offense does well. So yep. the Cowboys offense may be its best defense. Yeah, keep that Rams offense on the sideline and control the clock. Now, on Sunday, in the first divisional playoff matchup, we've got the Chargers and the Patriots. And this is what I call the something's got to give game. Exactly. Look, we talked about it on Sunday in the war room that the Chargers are a perfect 9-0 and outside the state of California this year, 8-0 and in road games, including the playoffs, and they won a neutral site game in London where they were technically the home team. And then the Patriots, they were the only team that didn't lose at home during the regular season, 8-0 and at Gillette Stadium. And then and you take it a step further and you look at them in this divisional playoff round where they will now play another home game in the divisional round. They haven't lost that game since 2010 against the Jets. And from 2011 to 17, every year they won they won those games by an average of 17 points per game. Now, that being said, that's the historical significance. This Chargers team 
on paper and then what they did in the regular season a lot better than a lot of those other opponents that the Patriots have faced. This is a different animal, I think, going into Fox. Well, these Chargers thrive on being away from their home in L.A. where Absolutely. it is sparsely attended games yep. with mostly road fans mm-hmm. in attendance. And that is the reason that they are 9-0 and outside California this season. They've been the best road team in the NFL. The Patriots have been the best yep. home team in the NFL. Yep. And so we will see which dynamic wins out on Sunday. Now, in the final playoff game on Sunday, we've got the Eagles traveling down to New Orleans as the Nick Foles magic carpet ride it really does. continues. <laughs> it, I mean, it's incredible. It, it, it is. The legend of St. Nick grows every uh, single week. He's yep. cashing in on half-million-dollar, million-dollar incentives every single week, <laughs> yep. winning more playoff games, writing a bigger and bigger history there. Like, yep. he never has to pay for a meal in that city ever again. Right. How do you put into analytical context right. exactly what the heck this guy's doing yeah historically it's incredible and it backs up all the all the amazing things that you see and he and tom brady are the only quarterbacks to win super bowl mvp then win a playoff game in the following season in the last 20 years you think about all the other great quarterbacks that have played peyton manning aaron Rodgers, drew Brees. so to win ben win a, aaron Rodgers. Win a super bowl mvp and then win a playoff game in the next year. It's only Foles and Brady. Brady did it three separate times, of course, in the last 20 years. Before Brady, you have to go way back to Troy Aikman That's in it, huh? 1993. So, look, it, it is historically significant. His playoff numbers are ridiculous. It, it, look, a month ago, it's, we, didn't, we didn't even have them on the postseason radar, and now they're playing at the number 1 seeded Saints on Divisional Weekend. I'm just telling you, it's the best postseason story going. It, it really, how long Nick Foles can keep this up, <laughs> yep. and how much he can force the Eagles front office <laughs> to even contemplate a move that they've never contemplated making with Carson Wentz. Like, no one has ever gone into the Superdome and beaten the Saints in the Sean Payton Drew Brees era in the playoffs. They're five and zero. If he goes down there to New Orleans on Sunday and wins that game. In a spot where the Eagles got smoked in the yes, regular season yes, 48-7. Yes, yes. What do you do that? I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Evan, let the games begin. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the divisional playoff round. Thanks a lot, Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. We should ask Adam. Well, it was a crazy wild card weekend. We've got the divisional playoffs coming up this weekend. And we got a lot of reaction to a lot of different questions. And for those questions, I'm going to toss it over to my fine producer, Josh Macri. Josh, what do you got for us? Adam, yeah, I love doing this every couple weeks, these Ask Adam segments where we open up the voicemail box and uh, let people ask some questions, call and ask some questions. And after a crazy wildcard weekend, obviously, there are a lot of questions. First, it was, with hindsight being 2020, Mm. would the Bears have changed anything? Let's give a listen. Hey, Adam. First time caller, long time listener. I just had a quick question about your thought on the Bears. They had a perfect opportunity to play Kirk Cousins in a playoff game, which he has not shown that he can perform up to at least the $86 million contract that he got signed up to do. In hindsight, it's easy to say that the Vikings are not as good as the Eagles. Top to bottom, you kind of have the feeling of the unknown with Nick Foles. You don't know what he's going to do. You think the Bears should have maybe lost in Week 17 against the Vikings? Or do you think they should have just won and kept the momentum? First of all, I'm a big believer in winning and keeping momentum going. And I think it is hard to challenge the playoff karma gods. 
and to say, I'm going to lose this game so I get this opponent again. It's just not something that you're used to seeing. They had that game won, okay? They allowed a touchdown. They allowed a third-down conversion or a fourth-down conversion to Alshon Jeffrey. They allowed a fourth-down play to Golden Tate. I didn't love the use of the timeout when they were driving up the field that they called timeout rather than ran up to the line to spike the ball where they would have had the timeout where they could have used the middle of the field and gotten it closer because they had a timeout. They had the field goal that clanked off the crossbar and the upright. I mean, there are so many things that if they make one of those plays, we're not even talking about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. You play the game to win, to quote our former colleague here, Herm Edwards, and you try to do your best. And they took care of business against the Vikings and rolled into the playoffs with momentum. They got turnover. They did so many things they had to. They just didn't close it out. And that is not related to the Week 17 result in the final week of the regular season, in my opinion. Well, at the end of the day, Adam, the fact remains the Eagles get the win. It's another win for Nick Foles in the playoffs. And we got a lot of voicemails asking if this momentum that Nick Foles has created over the past couple seasons means something bigger long-term in Philadelphia. Let's give a listen. Good morning, Adam Schefter. My name is Damian Borrell. And my question for you is simple. Should the Eagles now trade Carson Wentz? And if they do, do the Jacksonville Jaguars make the most sense? Well, Damian, thanks for the question. Your question, Damian, is going to be the most asked, discussed question of this week. As we tape this Ask Adam segment on Monday morning at 10.55 Eastern Time, We are going to be doing NFL Live on ESPN at noon, about an hour and five minutes from now. And the question that's going to lead off that show is going to be, should the Eagles keep Nick Foles and move on from Carson Wentz? And here's where I'm at on the question. Number one, I believe that they are firmly committed to Carson Wentz. I don't think at this time, at this time being the key phrase, that anything that happens is going to change that. Carson Wentz is a transcendent talent. What Nick Foles has done has been incredible. Nobody has done that much for the Philadelphia organization, the Eagles, maybe in the history of football. They've been unbelievable with him. He's been an underdog in four straight postseason games. He's come through with four straight postseason Eagle wins. I have Eagle fans, true story, texting me last night that they've been crying, crying for 15 minutes last night. I'm not going to name any names, Jim Cramer. But they were crying for 15 straight minutes over the win last night. And so what Nick Foles has done for the city, for the organization, is magic. Magic. And if they beat the Saints again on Sunday, Damien, you can ask Adam again next week. And we can go for the same question. And it becomes more and more relevant every single week with each win. I still cannot imagine in my mind that the Eagles would ever part ways with Carson Wentz and trade him away. Saying that, whether it's Jacksonville or Miami or any team with a quarterback need or question, they would offer their rosters for Carson Wentz. So if Nick Foles continues to do this, the interesting part when I said at this time, let's go hypothetical here, Damien. The Eagles go on to win a second straight Super Bowl. Nick Foles wins a second MVP. At that time, 
I don't know how you get rid of Nick Foles. I have to say that. And I don't think there's anything that's tempting the Eagles. But if that happens, boy, this gets interesting. Where would where would discussions even start for a Carson Wentz trade? Three ones? Yeah. Like Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah. And honestly, name the price. Because the teams that need a quarterback would be willing to, to pay give up it. anything, huh? Anything. Yeah. I, I've had people talk about this to me. GMs wondering out loud what the price would be. And you would not believe some of the discussions that I've had about that. Yeah. Like in a hypothetical sense. Hall of Fame players back for Carson Wentz. Wow. Wow. So I guess, although unlikely, it is not outside the realm of well, possibilities. Uh, look, I, it's not happening at this time. Okay. At this time. We reserve the right to revisit this subject <laughs> after each Eagles playoff victory, Josh. How's this for another seemingly impossible trade, but one that one listener would like for you to talk about? Yes, Adam. This is Nathan Horton. I was wanting to know, do you think that the Ravens will let John Harbaugh leave or be traded to the Miami Dolphins. Big Dolphins fan here. Well, Nathan, thanks very much for the question. I would say this, that the Dolphins are a team that I think, if they haven't already, would inquire to the Ravens about what it would take to get John Harbaugh. I think the Jets would be another one that would inquire. And my understanding is there could even be a third mystery team with a vacancy that could inquire. But I think at the very least... The Jets and Dolphins could, I'm not telling you they will, could make phone calls to the Baltimore Ravens to say, is John Harbaugh free? And I think their response would be, no, we intend to keep him. Now, it would be up to the Miami Dolphins, your Miami Dolphins, Nathan, to say, okay, I understand you're keeping him. Would it change your mind if we offered a first-round draft pick? Would it change your mind if we offered a second and a fourth? I'm making this up, Nathan. But I don't believe that the Baltimore Ravens are inclined to move on from John Harbaugh. I do think that they'll take the calls. And I think it's incumbent upon the Miami Dolphins or New York Jets or whatever team decides to call to change the Baltimore Ravens' mind about keeping John Harbaugh. If he's important enough to your Dolphins franchise, let your actions speak louder than words, Nathan. Let's go back on the field for this final Ask Adam question, Adam. Asking about the Rams and if they can avoid... The same mistakes that they made last year in their first postseason game when they face off against the Cowboys next weekend. Hey, Adam, this is Neil Gulati out of the Bay Area. Just had a quick question. Notice the LA Rams have a, another game after basically having a full week of rest. If you remember last year they rested guys against the 49ers and it didn't go so well for them in, the, in their first playoff game. Wanted to see what they're doing differently this entire week, whether it's practice, you know, mental preparation. What are they doing to prepare themselves for this game to go ahead and beat the Dallas Cowboys? I believe they are about a seven-point favorite right now, which is quite a bit for a playoff game. So want to know what they're doing mentally to put them above and beyond the Dallas Cowboys this week. Well, Neil, it's a good question. And I think if you go back to last year, the Rams rested their regulars in the final regular season week. Not only did they rest them, but they announced it early in the week. And I remember talking to Hall of Fame coaches who said, boy, don't like the way the Rams handled this at all. Not only did they rest the people, but they announced it. So you send a message to the whole team a week in advance that this game doesn't matter, that certain people are above the game, worth resting. And the Rams didn't do that in the regular season finale this year, even though there was very little at stake and everybody knew they were going to be the number two seed. I think the Rams took the right approach. They headed into this divisional playoff round, not resting anybody. Gurley was hurt. It's a different deal. 
but playing their guys, getting them ready, they've been attacking. I know this. They feel good about this. So Dallas runs the football well. That's been a Rams defensive weakness. I think the Rams know what they're up against. I think their defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips, the former Cowboys coach, will be motivated. I think they just have a different mindset, a different attitude. It was the first playoff experience for Sean McVay as a head coach, for Jared Goff as a quarterback, for Todd Gurley as a running back. It was a Rams franchise that was not accustomed to success. So, Neil, the way that they headed into the postseason was different right then and there. And I think that their whole attitude over these two weeks will be different. And I would be disappointed if the Rams didn't come out and play a better, stronger game on Saturday night against Dallas. Whether that's enough to win, we'll see. Sometimes you need some funny bounces in football, some turnovers, some momentum. But I think the Rams handled this past week and the past two weeks exactly the way that you would want, Neil. Keep the foot on the gas, the moral of that story. And keep submitting your Ask Adam questions to us. Leave leave us a voicemail, 860-506-5779. Make sure you leave your name along with your question or comment, and the best ones will get on the show. Love those questions. Some great topics, and we'll definitely do that again. Special thanks to Evan Kaplan, the ESPN NFL researcher, for breaking down this upcoming weekend's divisional playoff matchups. And special thanks to Titans linebacker Brian Arakbo as we wish him well in the next chapter of his career, making cupcakes and carrying on with life after football. And thank you for listening to another Adam Schefter podcast. We'll be back in this week's space again next week to preview the conference championship games. Thanks for listening, everybody.